0: Hello, uh, welcome to the DMC podcast with me, Jeannie Brown, and my bova, Callum Brown. Ho ho. we'd be we will be dipping our toe into the world of entertainment today, recommending a range of content from books to a song and a film or TV show or podcast, whatever floats your boat. Uh, so, firstly, let's start with books. Uh, bova, I'm going to come to you first.
1: So, I went for a book that I read recently called. Um... Heroes and Villains, by um, Angela Carter, who was, a uh, uh, know she died in the early 90s, but I think she started writing in the early 60s. This one was published in 1969. But the back, or the synopsis, says, Sharp-eyed Marianne lives in a white tower made of steel and concrete with her father and the other professors. Outside where the land is thickly wooded and wild beasts roam live the barbarians who raid and pillage in order to survive. Marianne is strictly forbidden, to leave her child uh, civilised world, but fascinated by these savage outsiders, decides to escape uh, there beyond the wire, uh, the wire fences. She'll discover a decaying paradise, encounter the tattooed barbarian boy Jewel, and go beyond the darkest limits of her imagination.
0: Ooh. Well, very. I, I have heard of Angela Carter before. Um, mm. Her fairy tale books were really interesting. What, what, why did you like this book?
1: Uh, well, I like her writing, her latest stuff. Uh, nights at the Circus, is a, is a favourite. So I think I asked for this for Christmas, because I've I read quite a few of hers. Uh, I liked it, uh, I, I thought just the way it was written was very good, it was really intriguing, quite eerie and quite gothic. I mean, I was quite sort of um, taken in by, I guess, you know, when you just pulled into kind of a, I guess a, what's special about reading, isn't it? You just sort mm. of pulled into another world, effectively. Yeah, I think that that was kind of it, really. I think she's just a good writer and I thought, um
0: Is this one quite fantastical or?
1: Sort of. I mean I guess you from what you can tell from the, the back or whatever, the synopsis. Yeah, sort of it's um dystopian, dystopian future sort of thing. I guess there's sort of minor characters that you could sort of think of as being fantastical. I think they're called I think there's um they're called the out people. I think they're called who Marianne encounters when she's living with the barbarians, who I think are, from what I remember, sort of mutant, kind of, you know, probably experimented on people type of thing. Mm. Um, Nothing, but nothing, like, truly... I guess it's sort of pagan stuff. I mean, there's sort of... With the, in the Barbarians, there's sort of a professor or a, No, not a professor, sorry, like a priest kind of figure. And that sort of... sort of touches maybe on them fantastical, but he's... Um, basically a fraud so uh, mm. there's no no <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that yeah maybe should put the start spoiler less <laughs> we will ruin all of these things for you that
0: well, sounds good is there anything yeah. you disliked about
1: it um I, I was kind of i mean maybe it's not a dislike necessarily but i was sort of intrigued by the fact that in kind of the later books she's quite pro-woman and i in her personal life from what i understood was quite um you know the feminist and the in the 70s or whatever, but I, I thought this, I mean, this book was quite, um, there was quite sort of sections of graphic violence um, from Jewel uh, to Marianne, which I wasn't necessarily sort of um, anti, I guess it was just sort of part of the story and he is a, a you know, sort of brutish man and brutish men obviously treat women not particularly well, uh, but it, it kind of interested me in that way that I guess, you know, she was, later went on to write these much more sort of, um, pro-woman books, whereas this one, yeah, it's an interesting, if if it's sort of, it was probably not so pro-woman. I don't know if it's necessarily anti-woman, because this is obviously the story of an adventurous young woman who escapes, and the things that sort of happen to her outside of a compound that she lives on. I don't know if that's sort of a a dislike, but uh, I guess it's something maybe puzzled me about Mm. it, and I was, in terms of sort of Angela Carter's career, writing career, yeah, I thought it was interesting, at least out of 10? Mm, probably a good 8 i think. Mm, it's quite good. yeah yeah and i enjoyed it i'd I'd recommend it i mean if you're it's grizzly so if you're not into
0: a scary cat yeah maybe
1: not so good (laughs) but Mm. I, i i think it's i think she's a great writer so
0: do you want to read a small excerpt from it
1: i could read i mean i could read from the first page okay marianne had sharp cold eyes and she was spiteful but her father loved her He was a professor of history. He owned a clock, which uh, he wound every morning and kept in the family dining room upon a sideboard full of heirlooms of stainless steel, such as dishes and cutlery. Marianne thought of the clock as her father's pet, something like her own pet rabbit, but the rabbit soon died and was handed over to the professor of biology to be eviscerated, while the clock continued to tick inscrutably on. Uh, She therefore concluded the clock must be immortal, but this did not impress her. Marianne sat at a table eating. She watched as passionately as the hands of the clock went round, but she never felt that time was passing. The time was frozen around her in the secluded place where a pastoral, uh, quiet, possessed everything. And the busy clock carved the hours into sculptures of ice.
0: Ooh, like <laughs> that. Mm. It's interesting because like, when you actually hear of it and you get into it, what sort of captures your imagination? Mm. Um,
1: it's quite evocative, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. But yeah, she's obviously a great writer.
0: All right, so uh, my book is Consent by Annabelle Lyon, and this book was long-listed for the Women's Prize for Fiction in 2021, and I can see why, because it was absolutely fantastic. I'll read the back. It says, Blistering the most truthful exploration of sisterhood, I have enjoyed since Fleabag, and that's the times. Saskia and Jenny are twins, alike in appearance only. Saskia has a single-minded focus on her studies, while Jenny is glamorous, thrill seeking and impulsive. Still, when Jenny is severely injured in an accident, Saskia puts her life on hold for her sister. Sarah and Mattie are sisters with another difficult dynamic. Matty needs almost full-time care, while Sarah loves nothing more than fine wines, perfumes, and expensive clothing, and leaves home at the first opportunity but when their mother dies, Sarah must move Mattie in with her. It's not long until tragedy strikes, and through a cascade of circumstances as devastating as they are unexpected, these women find themselves connected by the predatory actions of one man and united by the thrilling possibilities of revenge. What? It's quite, quite possibly one of the most de- uh, depressing stories I've read. <laughs> but um, it, I, it's right up my street. The writing is so detailed. The ending was also really well written. I think I find with most books the endings are a bit sort of disappointing, but I thought this was really believable. Mm-hmm. Um and the interaction between characters as well is believable. Situations, I think, sometimes that are glamorised in films or some books to uh, move the storyline along, this book doesn't really do. It's just it keeps quite true to the um, characters.
1: How do you mean um, sort of like glamorisation glamorization of what?
0: How, you know, someone might connect with someone to move the story along or mm-hmm. someone might just happen to bump into someone to move the story along. This book doesn't do that. Yeah. They're they're true to how the characters would actually react.
1: Oh, okay, okay. What didn't you like?
0: Uh, Well, yeah, it's almost zero humour. It's quite dark. (laughs) (laughs) These women's lives are miserable, basically, but the writing is right up my street. It's so detailed. I love that style of writing. should I read you an excerpt of it? Sure. <clears throat> I do really like um reading aloud, but I'll I'll I get you don't really read it aloud and you get a sort of breathless and I just yeah. have an astro attack on the, the podcast But well, I'll, anyway. I'll be it slow.
1: Well I don't know you've had my sort of quite stilted reading, so <laughs> I'll try i I'll you can't do it in worse. one breath <laughs> and pass up.
0: <out>. Um <laughs> nineteen seventy seven. The baby doesn't cry, but Sarah's mother cries. Everyone is tired, and Sarah is tired of playing nicely in the plash of sun on the carpet, the dust motes turning, while her mother feeds the baby and rocks the baby and mumbles into the phone, the swaddle baby in the crook of her arm. Sarah misses the crook of her mother's arm and the smell of her, the honeywood smell that comes from the faceted glass bottle on her dresser. She doesn't like the milk smell on her mother or the milkshit smell on her sister. Visitors wear brave watery smiles and try to elicit brave watery smiles from Sarah's mother. Something about the baby and the baby's placidity Sarah gathers is not quite right. The baby is too quiet. The baby sleeps too much. People are gentle and kind and hand the baby back quickly to her mother who does not rush to take her. They bring big gifts for the baby and small gifts for Sarah which is unfair and absurd and makes Sarah impatient. Sticker sheets and socks and little books that she is encouraged to read to the baby, which is unfair. Sarah can't read. She has to turn the pages by herself in the plash of sunlight, the dust motes spinning endlessly because her mother cannot. She just cannot read to her right now.
1: It's quite sort of
0: a. It's not just about, uh, as I was reading from the description, it's basically uh, two sets of stories, Mm -hmm. which I don't want to give too much away, but it's about. Two sets of sisters, mm. but basically about two women, mm-hmm. and um, I just love that detail. I've read other books um, which sort of focus more on dialogue and things, mm. um, but the detail in this is just really rich. I, I think I read it in a day or two days. I just really loved it, mm-hmm. but it is very dark and depressing.
1: So, <laughs> sort of about women's roles and that sort of thing, sort of socially. I mean, that just sounded sort of like a kind of a like a picture. Domesticity, really, so sort of in the home with babies and uh, that sort of thing.
0: Sort of. It, it's about grief and, yeah, I think uh, the pressure of playing a certain role and how that can be conflicting if you don't want to be in that role or mm-hmm. don't have a happy relationship with the person you are caring for or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just felt it was really real, so yeah, would recommend. Mm-hmm. I'd give it a nine out of ten. I was
1: gonna say how many out of ten? Well, that's a good. It's a, yeah. mm. it's I was a impressed. Very high, yeah, Mark.
0: But uh, yeah, it's not a funny one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you can read funny books too. There's there's one, but mixture.
0: I don't want to spoil it. But there's one where she's, it's just really moving where she's um grieving basically and she's really upset about something Mm -hmm. and then you realise what she's talking about doesn't actually happen but it just reflects her grief really well and how she's feeling you just feel such sadness of how alone she actually is Mm. Um, yeah and the the characters are not particularly nice um, not unlikable but just they're uh, multifaceted and it's just really impressive
1: Mm -hmm. realistic Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: Although, well, realistic, yes. <laughs> I'm thinking I am 100% likable <laughs> with no flaws. Um,
1: All the lies we tell ourselves.
0: Hoo-hoo. Uh, <laughs> editing that bit out. Um, so, next up, music. But yeah, tell me about the band.
1: Okay. So, I have chosen the song Ocean of Wine mm-hmm. by uh, Helium, the band Helium. So, Helium, we're a band... From the early 90s. It started in 1992 and broke up in 1997. And they were quite sort of a standard sounding indie rock band to begin with, which I quite like, quite noisy. There's a singer, Mary Timoney, who still performs now, had quite sort of a bored sounding voice. So she's got sort of a, she was saying about quite emotional sort of subjects, but singing in this very kind of monotone sort of way, which I quite like the, um, you know, the uh, contrast. But yeah, no, so this comes off their second album, uh, The Magic City, which kind of, uh, the sound changed, I guess. I mean, it was sort of originally just sort of guitar, drums, bass, maybe a bit of keyboards. But then they, with this album, they sort of introduced sort of a variety of different keyboards and sitars and mandolins. And um, it sounded really, it sounds really quite um, quite magical, really, because it sort mm. of suits the, suits the title of the album. Just but... to
0: give context, Callum knows almost... Uh everything about music (laughs) I had a friend who I was talking about how much Calum knew about music and uh, she said well I bet he doesn't know if he knows this band I'll be very impressed (laughs) uh, because it was very obscure and I sent Calum a text and then he sent back a picture of him holding the band's album
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's Klaus Nomu. yeah 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 the performance artist
0: but just yeah Mm. Me, myself, I'd like a bit of pop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, you're very much a massive music nerd. Shall I play this one?
0: Okay, go.
1: Okay, so this is Ocean of Wine by Helium from The Magic City.
0: Hmm, I can imagine it like, um, you know, in a sort of sitcom where the the girl is you know going through a uh, particular character building arc and she's looking you know around <laughs> yeah. a montage of going around the people she's gonna leave behind or whatever that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, what it makes me think of no that's probably
1: a fair analysis yeah i don't know i think i think that's probably sort of elements of you know deadbeat boyfriend kind of in there is that mm. sort of, i think there's a line um you're in the in the backyard getting high and i really don't care and i don't know why
0: have you seen Euphoria?
1: No, but I've heard it's it being talked about.
0: Well, I, I watched one episode and I thought it was horrifically... Well, I just... No, I just You thought, weren't euphoric afterwards? No, <laughs> I, I thought it was too intense for me. Uh, but it gives me that kind of, you know... Oh, thank you for that. It's okay. Uh, so my song is called Cocoon by Milky Chance. Um, again, this is a kind of sombre feel, sort of indie. I... Sometimes I go through stages of not listening to it for a long time, and then when I play it again, really remembering why I like it so much. Um, So I'll play that snippet for you now. Up your street, not up your street. You're not really an indie guy.
1: No, I Oh, yeah, I don't know what kind of guy you would describe me as. Ooh.
0: Um, eclectic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Obscure, I don't know. Um, no, it's okay. No, he had a nice voice. Mm. I don't like that sort of style, that kind of slappy guitar thing. Is he, is he, I don't, is this a band or a person? Or...
0: You know, I actually can't remember where I first heard this song. Mm-hmm. I am the type of person, I like individual songs from lots of different people. I don't really listen to albums or... Mm. Uh, I love Ariana Grande as only person. I'll listen to mm. Adele. She's a bit too depressing for me.
1: Mm. Um, you kind of know what you're getting with Adele, don't you? What
0: do you think of Harry Styles? Are you yay yeah or no?
1: He's fine. I mean, I like um, the um, the newest one, uh, uh, as it was. That's quite yeah. nice. So I don't have like an issue with him. I think he's fine. I think he makes quite nice pop music. No, I have nothing against him. Yeah,
0: I'm not a hardcore. Uh, style head or what they call us I have no idea. One Stylus. One, I <laughs>
1: <Like>. <laughs> yeah, I, I think
0: I quite like some of it. I'm just not really... I think films are more my thing. Music's more your thing. I, I'm more mm. into... Yeah. Okay, so films, moving on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this again, I swear next time I'll do more sort of uplifting things. Uh, this is called Defiance. I watched it the other night. Uh, i read the synopsis. In 1941, Nazi soldiers are slaughtering Eastern European Jews by the thousands. Three brothers, Tuvia, Daniel Craig, Luce Liev Schreiber, and Ezeel Jamie Bell, manage to escape and take refuge in the forest where they played in childhood. Seeking a way to avenge the deaths of their loved ones, the brothers turn their daily struggle for survival into a battle against the Nazis. As news of their exploits spreads, others join the fray willing to risk their lives for even brief freedom. And it's based on a true story. These are real people. Um, uh, Tuvia was head of this. It's basically about uh, these brothers who are escaping the Nazis. They go into uh, the forest and hide the forest, which they know very well, um, better than the Nazis, and are able to hide in it. Um, And more and more and more people join their group, until there's literally hundreds of them and they build a community in the forest, uh, you know, huts and have, all have different jobs. Um, I think it really struck me about this film is how um, people cope in extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult situations, um, watching the story knowing it's based on true events and seeing what violence and fear um, and difficult struggles these people face uh, sort of maybe take a reality check on me you know I bought this expensive jumper and it was white and I was like ruined um and I'm like people had it have had it worse uh than me and I think it's really interesting as well to watch the strength and leadership of people during difficult times and how sort of the the goodies have to sometimes make evil decisions to survive um, and how that line becomes blurred between survival and bad behavior. Um, is, is that what
1: maybe you liked the most about it? it was just that sort of is there a right answer in any of this? I...
0: Well the trouble is it is not I didn't watch it and think wow this is my favorite film, favorite new film and I was wondering why that was I think because there's so many things they had to get into the film and mm-hmm. so many different characters and perspectives. We don't really keep on one person throughout. There's lots of mm-hmm. you know, um, someone's they find out that their wife has been killed and the trauma of that, we could have made the whole film based around that moment and that perspective but because, you know, he moves on to there's so many traumatic things that happen it's i think becomes di- dilutes the characters a bit it's probably why it's not my
1: mm-hmm, favorite mm-hmm.
0: film but it's still very the actual story itself was extraordinary mm-hmm. um regardless of knowing you know taking away the fact that it's a film the actual story um i just thought was really interesting so yeah
1: mm-hmm. what didn't you like about it i guess that's sort of you sort of answered that haven't you
0: yeah that's probably what yeah. i'd give it like a seven out of ten
1: okay was um, pretty high
0: uh, and it's on BBC iPlayer, so okay. feel free See to free. watch.
1: <laughs> What's your film? Okay, so my film is uh, *Delicatessen*, uh, which is one of my favourite films. Uh, it came out in 1991, I believe. It's a French film by the guys who did um, *Amelie*. So that's probably the most well-known film. But I believe this was their first. Well, it was probably, the, I think they're probably their first feature film. I'm sure they've probably done shorts. So, um, this smash hit futuristic comedy is a fresh and a sublimely entertaining tale from French filmmakers Jeanneau and Carol. Uh, in Starving Post Holocaust, France, a butcher keeps his customers supplies by his cannibalistic tendencies. But when his daughter falls in love with a circus performer, only an underground band of vegetarian freedom fighters can save her beloved from the meat cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I have heard you recommend this before. Mm. I, I don't know if I can
1: <laughs> Tolerate
0: that. I know. I'm such a scaredy cat. Like, I get scared by the fourth Harry Potter. Like, I mm. just can't with horror. So, um, uh, but it sounds interesting. Uh, just very scary.
1: Well, there's not very any. There's no from my memory. There's little to no violence in it. You don't really see anything. Um, it's more Oh, actually, at the end there is quite a graphic scene. But again, it's it's kind of it's comedic. It's not mm. really. Um,
0: is it a comedic film?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's really funny. It's, um, okay. This is, that's probably why I love it, is, um, it is, it is like a sort of a kaleidoscope Really, you can watch. I mean, I must have seen it five or six times. And like oh. sort of the more you watch, <clears throat> you see a different um, thing each time because it's just wonderful. It's just sort of visuals and little weird things going on in scenes. And there's this great scene sort of in, I think it's when... Uh, the circuit the main character of the circus performer um his name I can't remember, but he's played by Dominique pignon mm. uh my <laughs> I, I think he's Belgian sort of Belgian accent, but he um I think he's trying to fix a bed or something he's sort of sitting on the bed and he's sort of like jumping it's sort of bouncing up and down, and then the sort of um the creak of the the spring sort of sets off this sort of rhythm that's then carried out throughout the house, so then you see someone else sort of um. You know sort of uh, knocking on something, and then someone else sort of um, painting something, and it's sort of becomes this, the whole house becomes in sort of in sort of and uh, becomes in sync with itself, hmm. and it's just a really great, really funny scene. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of got everything in it. It's uh, it's again like a dystopian sort of future, it's it's really well shot, it's you know, this really weird greeny yellow color. The film, yeah, it's sort of like it's got romance in it because um the main character falls in love with the uh, the daughter of the the butcher out of ten. Oh, 10 out of 10. Oh, really? uh, yeah 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 It's one of my favorites yeah i love mm-hmm. it yeah it's a it's a great great film yeah I, I can't really think of anything i dislike about it really it's you know it's it's about 90 minutes it's uh
0: is it, is it more the suggestion of g- gruesome
1: I, I guess so yeah i mean because it's it's kind of um i mean this is the opening scene so it's not really you know a to anyone but it's kind of you know basically a guy sticks his head out of the bin and then the you just see the shot of the meat cleaver coming down on him but it's, it's he's looking at it so you don't actually see his head being cut up or anything it's just mm. uh yeah of the uh the butcher cutting his head off mm. but um yeah I know that there's it's more sort of implied violence it's, 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 it's pretty bleak comedy I mean like um, there is sort dark of comedy a, yeah sort of dark comedy so I mean there's sort of a scene of it uh, this one of the women in the house is sort of always Trying to commit suicide basically, so it's always those quite sick jokes about um various sort of kind of um inadequate methods. Uh, so maybe not for everyone, yeah. Sort of implied rather than okay. there's no actual graphic sort of um suicide oh. scenes or anything like that. Well
0: hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you do just scared cat yeah. But um thank you for all of that um array of an an array of suggestions there, Boa. Mm-hmm. Um, it will sound very interesting. Different tastes a different taste of different things that uh, are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, can you watch that anywhere online, or is it something you have to buy?
1: I have no idea. I, I have the DVD of it. Okay, I'm old, old school. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we love to see it. It's got um... a brilliant gold pig on the front of it, so that's again great artwork. Mm. <laughs>
0: Anything else you'd like to add? No. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, thank you for that. I haven't done an outro in a while, but that concludes our podcast. Um, thank you for coming on. And my pleasure. Yeah, I'll see you next time. <laughs> Got to find a, a outro song now. <laughs> okay. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.